Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to TGMR, the Galleries at Moore Radio, a public art talk radio station broadcasting from the Moore College of Art and Design. Listen live, search the archive of past broadcasts, or find out how you can get on the air at thegalleriesatmoore.com. Today, we have another installment of Art Blog Radio. I'm Imani Roach. It's been a while, so I'm glad to be back. And today, as a guest on the podcast, we have James Britt, who's the Director of Public Engagement over at the ICA. Hello. Good to be with you, Imani. Um, <coughs> so, uh, you know, one thing I was interested in sort of researching your background um, you know, you've always been, it seems, involved somewhat either on the sort of public engagement side or um, you've worked at other universities with student groups, particularly around like inclusion, working with African-American students. Um, and I'm curious sort of at what point you um, sort of turned towards the art world and how that came to be. Well, um, it's funny because actually I didn't have any intentions of working in higher education administration. Ah, interesting. <laughs> and so while I was pursuing my first graduate degree in counseling, actually I wanted to become a sports psychologist. That was my goal. Oh, and, wow. Um, I participated in sports collegiately, but um, also all throughout high school. And so that's what that was my interest. And I needed a way, I got some scholarships, but I was also looking for some other, other funding. And so I ended up becoming um, a graduate hall director. Mm. And I lived in, um, uh, in a dormitory with students. And actually, I got the first year students, which I didn't uh, want. I wanted the graduate students. Yeah, like first years are and, harder. Yeah, there were a lot of, as you can imagine, first year student issues, you know, homesickness and pregnancy and, you know, um, just the typical things that you do, alcohol, yeah. you know, drugs and stuff yeah. like that. And so it actually worked out because I was a counseling major. Um, that was probably the perfect clientele for me to work with. Yeah. But also, I enjoyed working with the students. They liked me. And my supervisor said, hey, you know, you should think about doing this as a full-time career. And I'm like, yeah, really? You could do this as a full-time career? Yeah. And at that time, I went pretty much from undergrad to grad. I noticed most of the people in my grad program, there were only two of us that were, went straight from undergrad to grad. Most were in their 30s. Mm-hmm. early 40s, mm-hmm. which at the time to me just seemed so old. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And they had kids, and they were married, mm-hmm. and you know, they had like real life experiences. And even my art faculty even said that. It's like, it'd probably be good for you to take some time off yeah. before you continue. And so I wanted to make money. I wanted to live a little. So I was fortunate to get a position at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. That was my first full-time job. And uh, then after that, that's when I transitioned to, California, to Chicago, Initially, I was at Northwestern, and then I ended up at the Art Institute. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I went there, because at first I was set to leave Chicago. Mm-hmm. I um, was kind of done with the admin work. I said I want to follow what I had my initial goal, which is to go get the PhD in counseling. Mm-hmm. And actually kind of shifted a little bit. I thought about sociology. Mm-hmm. But um, when the Art Institute reached out to me, I was intrigued because it was the Art Institute. Yeah. And somehow I was under the impression that maybe diversity would be different because it was the artist <laughs> to do. <laughs> and I quickly found out that was not the case, but um, took the job. And then, as you can imagine, I was just exposed to art in a very um, direct way. 
And um, I had never really considered myself an artist before. Um, I was doing artwork, but I just kind of thought about it as a hobby. Or, oh. you know, I wasn't thinking about it as I'm an artist. What kind of because, stuff were you doing? Um, I was doing a lot of digital collages at the time. Oh. And so this is how kind of people got to, to know me. And so... Um, Oh, uh, so, yeah, it, being exposed to art at the Art Institute, the people that I had a chance to meet, um, the artists that I made connections with, um, my colleagues, um, that was sort of my first true exposure to the arts, and that's what got me to basically the place that I'm at now, essentially. Sure. Um, <coughs> how do you see... Community engagement work. What are the what are the big challenges? I know this is a big question, but what are the big challenges in community engagement work in the arts? I mean, I think this has been the case at all the places where I've worked, where the institutions want to bring in, they want to be as accessible as possible, mm-hmm. but it's can you do that without compromising who you are as an institution? Mm-hmm. Like that becomes sort of the, the challenge, and I, and it feels like you know we we just had this this uh, program um, last night called Look at Art Get Paid. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. that, that project. Um, the artist is from Providence, Rhode Island. Correct, right? Maya and Josephine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so their project kind of touches on some of these issues. And so is it really? I mean, one of the questions I have, a lot of institutions say they want to be accessible, but then inevitably that changes who you are. Mm. And are you, are places comfortable with, with doing that? Mm. Do you, are you still that, that institution if you change in that, in that capacity? Mm. Um, so I definitely think that's one of the biggest issues. And then, of course, embedded in that is this conversation about do people see the work that reflects who they are? Um, if you're a person of color, do you see, you know, one of the things that came out of that conversation last night is that predominantly these spaces um, historically have been um, places where white men, their work are shown, you know, um, or even like I think about my own practice and there's a lot of pop cultural references to it. I mean, there's a way that, and I often would experience this in critiques when I was in graduate school, um, having to validate my work in a particular way mm. because, you know, and obviously this isn't a new discussion. I mean, Warhol, you know, dealt with, um, dealt with commodity, commodification of, you know, of products as well. Um, but I think this idea of access, yeah. and it feels like it's even more prevalent. I mean, it's, it's been an ongoing conversation for a long time, yeah. but it seems like it's definitely something more at the forefront today. I think there's a way that everyone's trying to be as in- inclusive as possible. Yeah. I mean, I have, ironically enough, I have um, Jay Z and Beyonce's song "Ain't Shit" running through <laughs> my head, <laughs> and I think about that. I think you know that if I mean, you know, attendance rose exponentially apparently Definitely. after yeah, yeah after they you know shot that video, yeah. and they they even admitted they attributed to them, but just you know I'm sitting there looking at that video and I'm like, to think to see somebody with a hot comb, yeah. you know. At the Louvre, like, really? Is that, you know, that's mind boggling. Yeah. So, and all the different sort of connections and parallels that we're making in that, yeah. in that, in that piece. Um, so, I would say that's probably the biggest issue that I can see. Um, and then how to do that. Yeah. How to do that without it feeling like um, 
of disingenuous. Well, for people who don't know what the Look at Art Get Paid project is, can you talk a little bit about that and sort of how that went? So basically, we haven't done it here at ICA. Okay. Um, Maya and Josephine, they're working with the Greater Philadelphia Arts Council. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Um, to, I don't know if they have already secured the funding, but they're looking at a consortium of, of museums that would possibly be involved. So ICA, PMA, one of the Barnes was a part of that too. But essentially what happens is they um, pay people to come in and be art critics. And, the, and they advertise like on the buses, on the subways, and they say they're very intentional. They're trying to um, recruit people, one, who have never gone to museums, um, to their people of color typically as well. Um, they tend to be from a lower socioeconomic level too. Um, and so then they recruit these people and they come in and they get paid um, a wage. They have like a, a clipboard and they're, you know, different things that they're looking for. Like, so one of the questions would be, did you see um, people that look like you represented in the work? Would be like a question. And then afterwards, they um, compile all of that information, and then they also have a debriefing with them. And I don't know if, if, if there's ever a moment where they sit face-to-face -face with the administrators at the mm. art institution. I don't think that happens, but I know they give that information, at least Maya and Josephine, and I think some of the statisticians or whoever they're working with, they present that, that information to the museum staff. And then the expectation is that for them, they've only done it with RISD so far, with RISD's museum. Um, and they said that they've made some changes. Uh, one of the things is uh, their, their wall text having it in Spanish, for example. Or they said they've had their, um, their guards or docents wear shirts saying, you know, I speak you know, this huh. language so that people can communicate you know, with me. Interesting. So they said they have made some changes. Huh. Um. So in terms of your work, I mean, you talked about, like, it feeling genuine. Um, and it seems to me, at least, that some of, that maybe a, a good way to do that or, like, a, 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 a useful approach would be to have you integrated in kind of every aspect of the museum life. You know, like, not have you have to sort of, like, make programming after everything has been conceived. So I'm wondering um, kind of what role you have like in other aspects of the museum that don't pertain specifically to, you know, community engagement or for public engagement. So the role has changed a lot. Um, my position didn't exist two years ago. Oh, wow. And Maori Holmes was the first director. Right. Maori did an exceptional job in terms of laying all the foundation right. um, for the department. And a lot of the programs that we have in place are, are because of her. Mm. Um, I just realized I don't know with this. Say your question one more time. I guess I'm just wondering, like, do you have oh, I know like I input or interaction in other parts of the museum, you know? So um, initially, the public programs were separate from the exhibition programs. And now um, they're, they're all one. So now I have responsibility for, for all of it. So that's what you were talking about earlier. There's a way now that it's integrated on a larger scale. Right. But, you know, this reminds me of my jobs early on working in diversity affairs where I would always say, you know, like we don't have an office of, of ethics. 
Mm. You know, like it's expected for everyone to be ethical. Like it's, mm. it's, it's like people are, are doing, the, they're not, they're telling the truth, for example, they're being moral, those type of things. But it's interesting when it comes down to something like that, versus when these things get, you know, compartmentalized and pushed right. off to certain people. Right. So mm. I would say that, that this has to be something that's a collective sort of thing. Right. So although, for example, programming is now under my purview, Still, obviously, the curators have a big role in that. Of course. And then it would also be the expectation that, that this is, like, everyone's involved in this dynamic, that it just wouldn't be the director of public engagement. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only person that's sort of thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah, no, that answers my question perfectly. Um, we were talking just before we went on um, about how, so you've been in Philly for seven, about seven months, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, coming from Chicago, um, what major differences you see just in the arts ecosystem here from you know where you were coming from before, or maybe there's similarities. Like I, I because Chicago has such a great reputation for like social practice art and you know museum engagement. Like there's so much going on there. I'm just curious, um, sort of what your impressions are of Philly so far. So I feel like Dorothy. And um, it, being here feels very familiar. Hmm. It feels very, it feels similar to Chicago in, in many ways. Um, the way that it's most similar is Philly reminds me of Chicago when I first moved there. Hmm. So I've almost been in Chicago for almost 20 years. Oh, wow. okay. And so at the time, you know, all those incredible socially engaged practices and things, um, weren't where they are now mm-hmm. or they were kind of bubbling below the surface mm-hmm. and I feel like that's where Philly is and I like that like I like the fact that there there feels like there's um there's a promise here there's something of something to come yeah and that's a great you know I mean as artists most creative types they like at one point Detroit was the hotbed yeah. you know and now since I've been on the east coast I hear like everyone wants to go to Baltimore <laughs> you know and there's this way like you you want to go to those those places that are kind of uncharted and untapped. So in that sense, it reminds me of Chicago. And I think, too, like the type of people, there's sort of a no-nonsense, you know, mentality here in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. similar to Chicago. There is, I think, both for both cities, there's this way that um, they understand New York mm-hmm. has a very, you know, a very prominent presence. And I think in particular for Phillies, in, ter- in terms of proximity, mm-hmm. it makes it even more, it's, it's even more, you know, um, it's something that's very present, you know, for, for the city. So it feels, yeah, it feels very comparable. I have, there's a lot of people that I worked with um, or have some sort of professional, personal connection with that are here. Um, so I think about Anthony, how he got his start. I mean, many of us that, you know, for us, Chicago was the place where we were, where we grew up, where we were, you know, groomed or however you want to call it. So I think about Anthony, um, my colleague Meg Only. You know, she was a student at Art Institute when I first started working I there. I forgot that. I think about Daniel Tucker, who's here. Right. He was in Chicago for a long time. Oh, interesting. You know, I, yeah. um, I, Kate, uh, my colleague Kate Craxon also was at the MCA. You know, oh. so there's a number of people that. Um, or vice versa, I think of uh, Mamrie Beckwith, who I'm friends with, who was at the ICA at one point, and as a curator and a fellow, and now she's at UMCA. So there's a lot of just parallels between um, the two cities in, in many ways. 
Um, <clears throat> I'm curious about the ICA as an institution because, I mean, you know, Philadelphia Contemporary is coming along and um, that new space in Fishtown just got announced, but at least for the last, you know, several decades, the ICA has really been like the contemporary art institution in Philadelphia. I mean, Fabric Workshop also is doing an amazing job, but ICA is kind of, it's like the museum for contemporary art. Um, and I think in that way, it can often feel like a kind of public, it feels like a very public facing organization, um, even though it's very much embedded within, a, you know, within Penn, with a, a, a institution of higher education. Um, and so I wonder, I guess, what conversations you're having or how you're thinking about, um, like, your different publics, you know, your, your public as in maybe Penn students, and then, like, um, your public as in the city of Philadelphia, and sort of how you negotiate between those different publics, or do you not see those things as being maybe intention or I'm just curious about about sort of what it's like to be at an institution that's like within a university and that serves a university but also is um, so vital to the city you know of you know it's funny when I applied for the job I I was confused because I I was directed to go through the Penn website right. <laughs> and then I asked you know, I think I might have asked Meg, I said, wait a minute, I, I didn't realize the ICA was connected to Penn. She's like, no. I, I, she's like, yeah, but a lot of people don't yeah. recognize that. And so it is interesting. We are embedded within an institution, but there is a way I, I think people still perceive us as, as, as being independent of the right. institution, too. Um, I knew one of my charges going into the job was to address that. And so we also deal with that dynamic with the student population, right. that they don't understand that this is a part of their PIN experience. Oh, really? So many of the programs now that we develop, and really it's, it's sort of starting on a very basic level, I mean, of just inviting students in the space, giving them opportunities to do their programs in the space. And I'm trying to, my staff and I, we're trying to connect those I mean, some of it's just like a social sort of art event that we've had. Like we had 34th Street Magazine. It's close to 600 students that were there. Oh, wow. Um, but then other parts of it is students that um, have received funding, like through the tax grant, for example. Yeah. And they're doing, like one student wants to do a screen with Cecilia Vicuña's content. Oh. So it just happens to be just a great opportunity to kind of put the two right. know, together. Mm -hmm. So we're doing those, those type of initiatives. Um, and then in terms of the community, Maori has been, again, just a huge help. And she had so many community connections. She yeah. lived here for a long time. Yeah. She went to Temple. And so she started the Gather Project, um, where there's a community, um, some sort of community group or organization. They can do a, a large-scale program. We provide funding for it. Um, I want to continue with things like that. I know she's tapped into the poetry community, too, mm -hmm. for example. So I'm trying to also um, build upon that. The big thing with those type of initiatives, though, are just rela they're relational. Yeah. And um, I've been here seven months. No, I know. <laughs> you know, like in many ways, <laughs> I, I was Maori in Chicago. You right. know, I've been here for a long time. I knew everyone. I, you know, I was doing those type of programs. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to learn. You know 
and we have to learn about who's here and who does what, but I'm also interested to build relationships. Mm-hmm. It takes time for people to trust you. Yeah. The thing I, I really appreciate about being in the ICA, I don't feel like some of the other institutions where I worked for, worked with, there was a, definitely much more pushback from the community. Mm-hmm. It was this perception of, okay, you all are only here to benefit yourselves, mm-hmm. or what do you want from us now? Yeah. And I don't feel like I get that as much here. Like, people are like, oh, ICA, we really want to, you know, but I think I, I also do understand, I'm very aware that um, even if people don't think of us as connected to Penn per se, they still think of us as an institution. Yeah. And that comes, it's, it's a very loaded term and it comes with a lot of things attached to it. Yeah. And so really it's about me, the, my first part has been about what's going on here currently yeah. and what can I, um, what can we improve upon? Yeah. And then the second part is like, who do I need to connect with? Where are these, what are these relationships that I need to I need to, to establish, mm-hmm. you know, what communities do we need to venture out in? And obviously West Philly, we're, we're situated in West Philly, so that's a, a big priority for us. But then what other areas within Philadelphia can we connect with as well? And what does that look like? Does that look like just like showing up at spaces at like schools or libraries or like how do you build those relationships? I, it does. That's what it's, it does. It's, I don't mean to simplify, but yeah. but yeah, I I can remember at my other positions in Chicago, that's what I just started to do. I would figure out what was going on, and in particularly those spaces that I we or the institution wanted those type of people, or I felt like these are the type of people that need to be here. I would go to those events, and then I would also when start when I start to engage them. Um, that it would just be an open invitation and it wouldn't be an ask. Mm. Because I felt like once that, then it's like, ah, I, we were waiting for right. that to happen. Mm. Um, so I think the same here. Like I, I need to be more be more out and about and visible in those things. So um, the first couple of months, I have been more in-house than I, than I thought I would be. I thought I would be more present. We've been doing a lot of programming. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a part of it. And there's been a lot of transition and we're still shifting. I, I think the thing I, I find fascinating about ICA, and this is one of the things that drew me to it, it is a space that's, you know, like one, and part of our um, model or mission has been, you know, we're not afraid to make mistakes. Mm. And so we're constantly figuring out, thinking to ourselves, how can we make this better? Inevitably, there's going to be things that work in that process, and then sometimes you realize, oh, that didn't work, let's try something else. So we're, there's a lot of different moving parts that are currently happening. So I've been spending a lot of my time just kind of getting an understanding of that. And now I've been slowly sort of venturing out to different you know, spaces. I want to continue to do that more. Well, welcome. Thank I feel you. like I'm probably not qualified to say welcome because I've only been here for eight years. That's a long time. No, by Philly standards, eight years is nothing. Same as Chicago. I feel like all my time, they're still like, well, did you go to school here? And I'm like, no. Well, then you're not from. I mean, exactly. when I say go to school, like, like elementary, yeah. high school or something, you're not from yeah. Chicago. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I understand. <laughs> um, what are you most excited about? Like now that you're now that you are getting out in the community and you've kind of gotten past your initial, I don't know what hazing. <laughs> um, what are you most excited about accomplishing, uh, or just learning? Even you know the aquarium in me is is, is possibilities. You know I'm, I'm always intrigued by that and. Uh, I have to give, I give Amy a lot of credit 
Amy Sedow is our director, executive director. She gives all of us a lot of latitude to kind of really to do what we want to do. And so I see not only the, the, the ICA as being ripe with possibilities, but also Philadelphia. And as I mentioned before, the fact that things are sort of kind of bubbling now and kind of just, you know, popping up from the ground. I like that. So I, I can maybe either plant some seeds myself or, you know, can add a little water or fertilizer to whatever is going on and help it to continue to, to grow. But I think that there are some great opportunities, and that's something that's very appealing to me about being in Philadelphia and being with the ICA. Great. Well, I mean, we're probably going to wrap up soon, but I, I'm curious, is there any programming happening in the near future that you would want our blog readers to know about? Or... Um, well, you know, currently we have Cecilia Vicuña's exhibition up about to happen, and um, Color People Time, Mundane Futures. We have um, introducing Tony Conrad, a retrospective, and then the other two parts of Meg's exhibition, Color People Time, will happen shortly. Quotidian and Banal will will close it out. Um, in the fall, we'll have, um, in terms of exhibitions, that is Michelle Lopez, um, Alice Klein will curate that show, and then Kate Crackson will curate um, Fierce Pussies exhibition. We have an open video call coming up right. um, where people can submit their uh, videos, and so that information should be shortly, if not already, posted on our website. Yeah. Uh, excellent uh, lineup with pin design lectures that are coming up. Um, Ernesto Pujol uh, will be um, next week, I think. And Fred Moten, so it's coming oh. pretty soon. The end Did of they the advertise month. that? That should be posted now, too. I did not see so that. Fred, catch Fred Moten. <laughs> um, we have Dave McKenzie, who's going to do a performative lecture. I love his work so much. He's one of the artists that's currently in, in Monday Futures. Yeah. So that's coming up. We always have a lot of programming, <laughs> so definitely go to our website to check those things out. For um, Tony, um, Tony Conrad, we're doing a series with Lightbox um, Film Center, and Tony Orsler is going to um, do a screening. We're not sure if there's going to be some other elements to it yet, but he worked with Tony Conrad, and he's going to screen a piece that they uh, did together. I believe that's actually next Tuesday. Uh, Orcon, which is one of the faculty at Penn, is doing something. He actually studied with Tony Conrad, too. The Corey Arch Archangel coming in relationship with oh. that. There's a number of concerts that, that Anthony has planned wow. in conjunction with it. Uh, I could probably go on yeah. and on and on. <laughs> so we have a lot of idea on that. Yeah. That's, that was very good recall. Thank you for that. I can't even be a recall. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, well, thank you for the invitation. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, and we'll be looking for you around town. Please do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this has been another installment of Art Blog Radio with James Britt. Uh, I'm Imani Roach. Thank you for listening, and until next time, bye.